0: Yeah, John Neal here. You just had sex with me in a hotel and left without saying goodbye. (laughs) I love that. That introduction was recorded by Brett from I Could Get Into This podcast. He was a guest earlier this week when we recorded a review of An American Wealth in London. I say we recorded a review. I really liked the film. He just had so many questions, so many questions, not enough marling. not enough mauling, and he basically had my life, so go give that a listen, it's a cracker, and he is such a funny guy, and such a lovely guy as well, um, and I can't thank him enough for doing that daft little introduction, I couldn't help. I know it's, it's sound, I think the guy who you're imitating, the characters from Chicago, so I know the accents are, are nowhere near each other. Um, but to an untrained ear like myself, it it passes and I, I couldn't pass up that opportunity to um, ask you to do that. So I really appreciate it. OK. Welcome to oh, Review it Yourself. This is the first single Review it Yourself I've done. I th- God, since the first in over a week, I think um, I've been, you know, I've not been particularly well. Um, but I've I've been doing lots of collaborations with some wonderful, wonderful people, including Josh from Talking Smack. Uh, I've also been talking to Brett from I Could Get Into This Podcast. And I've just been speaking earlier today with uh, Mo. He's an aspiring author. Just been talking about his new book that will be coming out. Uh, so I've been talking to all those wonderful people. Oh, and uh, Ben from Film Vloggers. Can we put him in that group? I don't know. I'd put Dan Mackles in that lovely people group, but whether I'd put Ben in there, I don't know. <laughs> no, I I, I joke. Look, they are honestly some wonderful people and I am absolutely loving the podcasting right now. And if you guys are enjoying listening to this, even, you know, a tenth of how much enjoyment I'm getting out of it doing it, even whilst I'm not paying particularly well, um, that's absolutely great. Okay, let's crack on. Today's film is Contagion, it came out in 2011, it was directed by Steven Soderbergh, and it's a cracker, an absolute cracker. Okay, so Contagion follows a group of medical experts who are in a race against time to stop an unknown virus that ignites a global pandemic. Starts off with coughing, sounds like my week, just coughing all the time, Um, it says day two on screen. We see Beth Emhoff. She's played by Gwyneth Paltrow. She's looking rough. I mean, really rough. They didn't put any makeup on her that day. Um, she's just had a rendezvous with a gentleman in a hotel on the business trip. This is what you heard. Well, I tell a lie. It's a version. You've heard a version of that? So a guy rings her up. Hey, it's John Neal. You just had sex with me in a hotel. i now left without saying goodbye. And he leaves a voicemail for her. She rings back saying... Um, she's been away to Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong. Uh, I mix up, but it goes all over the place. to film in a good way though, and um, so she's been she's been abroad on a business trip, and it's pretty obvious they've had an affair. And she gets home, and her husband, Mitch M. Harf, who's played by uh, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when everyone used to do that? Oh God, yeah. So Matt Damon um, plays her. Oh, God, this is going to be one of those reviews, isn't it, where I'm just all over the place? And I'm out of tea, damn it. Matt Damon plays uh, Mitch Emhoff. Um, we see it goes to Kowloon in Hong Kong, population 2.1 million people. We see another young guy who stumbles around sweating. He's clearly disorientated. He gets back to his apartment. His lass is there. She tries to help him, but he just goes. he just goes to bed. London, England, population eight point six million. Uh, a woman puts papers on her desk and leaves, and then she's found dead in a hotel. No, I thought she was English, but she's Ukrainian. Although you don't hear her speak, she doesn't speak. You just see her like mopping her brow and that, like she she's sweating and she's not doing. She's not very well either, um, because it's a respiratory. Um, what do they call it? Mev one. I think it's like a. It's a bit like SARS, um, or what's the other one? Like the Nipah virus. I think there are scientists who made up um, this virus for the film. Minneapolis, Minnesota, 3.3 million people. And the music really fantastically builds up the tension. And the way it's filmed really highlights how we touch other surfaces, how often we touch them. and But it's not so in your face that it's annoying. I love the style of this film. I love the way it's shot. The music's outstanding. And all the way through the film you see this um aim so it's A-I-M-M Anderson Company Connection. Uh, a Japanese gentleman's on a flight um and he he is ill but he's got that on his folder. Um the cabin um, steward gives him um a glass of water again emphasizing how much contact we have with other people. Um, you see him on a bus in Tokyo where there's 36.6 million people. He collapses on a bus, he has a seizure, and he's filmed by somebody with a phone. Uh, We see the young lad in Kowloon. Um, He's stumbling through the market, he's struggling to see, and he accidentally stumbles into the road and he's he's hit by a truck and killed. Day three, Atlanta, Georgia, we see the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We see a doctor, uh, played by Lawrence uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and we see Roger, who's a janitor, kind of a building maintenance person. And he's played by John Hawkes, who portrayed the mountaineer, the real life mountaineer, Doug Hansen, in the film Everest. Great actor, very, very underrated. Pops up in smaller roles like this, but really knocks it out of the park every time. Um, the, Roger says to the doctor, um, Ellis Cheever, the doctor's called. You no, know, he asks him to have a look at his son, attention deficit. So his kid's got ADHD. Maybe you can have a look at him, and it, the doctor says, "Look, I'm not really that kind of doctor, but I can refer someone. It shouldn't be a problem." Roger thanks him, and uh, he's like, "Oh, no problem." So you get the idea that, that uh Dr. Cheever, although he's really really high up in the center for his centers well, in the CDC, he's really high up. He's 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 a good he's a he's a good guy. San Francisco, California, three point five million. Beth gets home. Uh, she hugs her husband, Mitch Matt Damon, and she hugs a. Uh, I think he's meant to be six. I'm sure they said he was six. Um, Kid Clark, little boy. We then see Alan Crumwitty. He's a British blogger and an online activist. He's played by Jude Law um, with, I think, it's either false teeth or with like a crown. um, Crown's taken off his teeth or something. I'm not sure. Um, He looks very, very um, quite grungy in the beginning of this. Like he's down in his look and things. Um, He sees the video of the guy on the bus. He goes to the San Francisco Chronicle. I mean, it just says "The Chronicle." I'm not sure if that's an actual paper or whether they've just made one up. Um, he goes to see Lorraine. She says, "Look, Alan, there's no freelance uh, budget anymore." And he's like, "Print media is dying, Lorraine. Print media is dying, Lorraine. It's dying." I'll save you a seat on the bus. I'm not sure what kind of accent he's doing. He's meant to be English, but there's, I don't know if he's doing if he's playing somebody English who's lived in America for a while, or or if it's slightly Australian. I'm not sure. It, it sounds. It doesn't put you off. He's great in the film. It's just, you know, when you just you sat thinking about something and I watched it last night and I was thinking, what kind of accent is he doing? Um you can see he's someone who, who doesn't believe that it's a hoax. Uh, sorry, he's someone who believes it could be a hoax. Um no, sorry. I was right the first time. He's someone who doesn't believe that it's a hoax or an art project. He says it could be Minamata disease, it could be Mercury in the fish. And he he's Lorraine's like look we've got no freelance budget and he gets really suspicious and says you're going to give this story away aren't you? He's like I'm recording this if this runs in the Chronicle I'll sue you and she's like bye Alan and that's when he shouts you know print media's dying Lorraine we see San Francisco Um, well we're still in San Francisco sorry we see Michemhoff Clark's stepdad he goes to pick up um, uh, Clark from from like primary what's called elementary school and because he's feeling unwell, high temperature. Um, Dear four, Beth, she's struggling. She can't see the coffee mug properly. She tries to grab it and it drops to the floor. Um, Mitch is like, did you take too much of that flu stuff? He helps her sit down and she just hits the floor. She has a seizure. Um, her head bucks off the wooden floor. It's not pleasant to watch. Um, and there's a shot from the kid's perspective um, between like the kitchen units. And it's quite disturbing. I mean, it's not, Like gory or in your face, but it's it's disturbing and it's how sedate the scene is. You know, it's just a regular suburban, regular house, and all of a sudden, you know, she's seriously ill, so she gets taken to hospital. Um, you see her on the uh, on the bed in the hospital, and she she starts having another seizure. Then we see the doctor. He comes to um tell Mitch, she says you know i'm so sorry she failed to respond her heart stopped and she did die and he's just he's like oh okay can i go talk to her now and the doctor i mean he does an awful awful job of trying to explain what's happened and he says you know mr emhoff your wife's dead um and he's like but i just talked to her. we just had breakfast she said she was feeling unwell she had jet lag and the doctor says sometimes we don't know what it is sometimes it could be meningitis encephalitis, swelling of the brain. Um, certain things can cause can cause it. You said she came back from Singapore. Um, I was at Hong Kong, sorry. You said she came back from abroad and he's like, we don't have anything coming out of there at the minute. We've checked the bulletins. You know, herpes could cause it. And this is when he loses his temper. Mitch, he says, she didn't have herpes. What happened to her? What happened to her? Like, he's, he's like, he's, he's in shock. And do you know what I noticed about this film? Like, it is so realistic. Excuse me, in terms of the realism of the science and all that kind of thing, but he gets told this news in the middle of like an open reception area, like literally the reception desks behind him. I mean, surely it'd be in some kind of relative's room. Who knows? Um, I'm nitpicky, what can I say? Uh, day five, uh, Geneva, Switzerland, the wealth, the wealth, the World Health Organization. We see uh, Marion Kittilard. Um There's been an outbreak in Hong Kong, reported by Beijing. So Hong Kong was where Beth went, sorry. Um, we see the girlfriend of the, the young lad um, in Kowloon who was hit by the truck. She's given his ashes. And she travels to uh, Guangdong Prev- province in China on the bus. Uh, population 96.2 million. Uh, she's on a bus. She's not particularly, she's not very well. Um, the bus is packed. When it gets there, there's the driver who's checking the bus and she's the only one left on it and she sat there, she's dead. And it, the thing that's about this film is it's well, the most disturbing is, is the things it doesn't say. So that whole bus of people have been around her for hours and they've all got off and gone. And you just start to think when you think about how quickly it's spreading, it's frightening. Um, the WHO... We hear, then we see a meeting with uh, Marion Tillard's character. Um, They're talking about how it's uh, Guangdong province has the most dense population in the world. There's a cluster in London, a man on the bus in Tokyo, um, Chicago, Illinois, population 9.2 million. Um, There's a man on a stretcher, they're like, can you hear me, Mr. Neil? Can you hear me? Um, He's had a seizure as well. This is the, the guy who Beth had the affair with. His wife says, you know, we both woke up sick. We see Ben. Uh, we see Beth Emhoff's autopsy. Um, they cut a skull to access a brain. A blood. A bit of blood sprays on the guy's mask. And the junior guy says, "You know, do you want me to take a sample?" And the senior doctor's like, "I want you to move away from the table." The junior guy's like, "Should I call someone?" He's like, "Call everyone." I love how there's no panic. It's so matter of fact, which is more frightening. the The way the scenes are done with doctors, with scientists with uh, virus investigators, it's so realistic that there's no panic. There's no spoon feeding the audience. There's no, what do we do about this? If if we don't do this, thousands could die. There's none of that. There's none of that. It's It's all about the government and then this bureaucracy that comes in and the politics that comes in and the scientists are just doing their best to try and put across the gravity of the situation in the only way that scientists can by giving facts and giving figures, whereas you know, but there's no uncertainty. They can never give 100% in that. And it it's fascinating, and I love, and I really give this film credit for not, for, for, for treating the audience like, yeah, you're intelligent people. I mean, there's a scene in this where I barely don't understand what they're talking about. Later on, um, when they're trying to figure out the gene sequence, like the, the sequencing for the for the virus, see, can't even describe it. There's, a, there's a, They're talking about um, all these little protein clusters and all this, that and the other. And the film makes no attempt it's a short scene, but the film makes no attempt to explain what they're talking about. But it's a scene between two scientists who work in a um a BSL, a biological um I can't remember what BSL it'll say later on in my notes. In in this uh oh, a biosafety level you know, four, which is the highest level you get, um, with all these deadly diseases, trying to figure these infections these viruses out, they would talk like that, they wouldn't sit there and talk. Like, you know, regular, non-scientific people would talk. So I love that it does that. Okay, so we go back to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control Prevention. In Atlanta, Georgia, there's been five deaths, 32 cases. There's been an outbreak in an elementary school. Another thing I love about this film, it it drops all these things in, because we know where it's come from, right from the off. We can see, like, when they say, oh, there's been an outbreak in a school, there's been an outbreak here. We think, oh, that came from her son in this... I love that. Basically, at this point, they're just isolating the sick and quarantining those who they believe are exposed. There's a meeting between Dr. Myers, who's played by uh, Dr. Erin Myers, who's played by Kate Winslet, and Dr. Ellis Cheever, that's Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne's character. San Francisco, uh, Mitch is in isolation. His daughter comes back. She's been away on a school trip. I think she's 16, 17. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, when do you have graduation in America? Or is that a you? I don't know. Anyway no not, not graduation prom i think she's like 15 16 17 anyway um she comes back she's been away on a school trip and mitch says to her, no it's okay i won't get sick um he says they've told me this happens really fast i'm fine we're okay he's talking to her on the phone through the glass and the, the daughter's like clark because it's his real it's his real daughter and whereas clark was his stepson and and he says no i want you to, why don't you go stay with stay with mom, and he's like, no, mom's got Dan um, I live here with you, you don't have anybody and she she's she's great, she's a great actress that um I haven't written a name down um, the one who plays the daughter, I think Jory, I think that's what the character's called, again another film where it doesn't spoon feed you the names I've watched films before where they walking and it's like, hey Jory how are you, and, and you think, people don't talk like that you don't no, you don't walk downstairs in the morning, and your your parents go, "Morning, Sean. How are you?" I'm like, "I'm fine, Dad. How are you?" I'd be freaked out if I came downstairs like that because I'm not American. But uh, <laughs> um, okay. So, and I love the fact that yes, yeah, she's a teenager, but she's so mature in the way she reacts. She's not like whinging at him for being in isolation. She's not, um, you know, she's just lost. Her stepmom and I lost her stepbrother. She and and after she's come home, they're just not there, and she's clearly in, you know, shock. Like and she's worried about her dad. And I just love that there was no. What I love about this film, there's no. Um, hysterics. There's no overacting. There's no trying to make it, um, sensational. The fear and the scale comes from, the facts. Uh, we see the Minnesota Department of Health. It's been forty-seven cases and eight deaths. We're there at a multi-agency meeting. We see Dr. Erin Myers. She's there uh, with politicians. We don't get names. It's, um, it's the holidays. People are staying home to see if they get any better. <coughs> Excuse me, Dr. Erin Myers. She talks about respiratory enzolmites, which is transmission from surfaces. She says two or three thousand times a day we touch our face, and the politicians are like, "Do we want to release this to the press?" It's the biggest shopping. Um, weekend of the year, and they're trying to delay any kind of, um, what do they call them? In this any kind of restrictions until they can um, shutting down schools and like that until after this season. So they're thinking in money still. And Erin uh, Myers, just the doctor, she does a great job in Caitlin's card in saying, you know, a plastic shark will keep people getting in the water, but a warning on the side of a packet cigarettes won't stop people going to the store and buying another pack. And she gets talked over um and by this this um politician she's quite brash um and they're kind of saying well swine flu panic people you've overreacted before and Aaron Myers says look we need to figure out the r not more better known as the r number so how many people will will somebody with this infection pass on to others so for flu it's around one smallpox was three uh, and poli uh, and pol- and polio um, was four to six before they had vaccines for those, and th- so the R stands for the reproduction rate, and it depend and it depends on the incubation period, contagious without symptoms. Uh, these are all things we've heard far too much over the past couple of years. Um, this film, I mean, if it came out now or in the next, you know, ten years, you'd you'd think it was almost a satirical look, or it was just ripping off what's happened. Um, But because it came out 10 years ago, well, 11 years ago now, it's a really fascinating look. I mean, there was even rumors last year or the year before in 2020 that some politicians in this country were using this as a template to follow. I mean, (laughs) which is so frightening. It's realistic. But anyway, we see the CDC uh, biosafety level four laboratory. um, There's some scientists that, uh, well, doctors, sorry, they're getting suited up. Um, they're like checking the suit for rips And that kind of thing uh, We see them looking at samples They've got a sample from Beth Emhoff 87 cases, 15 deaths uh, Jennifer um, Ella, She plays uh, Dr. Ali Hextor um, I love Again, they don't talk to, This is the part where they don't pander to the audience They talk like scientists would to each other um, They send the samples to Dr. Ian Sussman in San Francisco uh, Ali say, uh, Dr. Hextall says If he doesn't know what it is, nobody does um, Ian Sussman's played by Elliot Gold. Uh, He's he's great in this, and basically um, Alan uh, Con Alan Crumwitty corners him outside, and he says, "Get away from here, Alan. You're not a doctor, and you're not a writer." And he's and he's like, "I am. I am a writer." And he's like, "No, you're not. Blogging's not writing. It's graffiti with punctuation." Then we see Dennis French played by Enrico uh, Colin Tony. Um, he's also he's been in all sorts of American programs. He was also in Galaxy Quest, great film, um, as one of the alien, I believe. Yeah. Um, we see Rear Admiral uh, Lyle Haggerty, played by Brian Cranston, um, United States Public Health Service Commission Corps. And they're kind of talking. Um, oh yeah, Dennis French is the Department of Homeland Security, and they're thinking: Is it as an attack? Is it? And they're asking. Ellis Cheever, so Lawrence Fisherman's character, look, is this an attack? Has somebody weaponized a smallpox? He's like, you don't have to weaponize the smallpox. It's it's already weaponized. Or is it swine flu, whatever. Um, And this is where the schools start to close down. Uh, San Francisco. So we see Erin Myers. She meets Beth. She's gone there. She's an epidemic intelligence service officer. We see her meeting Beth's workmates. And this scene with... with, um, Beth's workmates is brilliant because it shows the fear that people have about catching, about catching this virus. You know, some of them say, you know, we, we had a spin class together before she left. And one says, Oh, I was having a coffee with her before she went to the airport. and I think she might have touched my cup or moved some papers and people have re- you can see people have really been overthinking, uh, overthinking this. And Erin's like, uh, Dr. like, look, the incubation period short, and like, it will be fine. Um, they tracked down a workmate who picked her up from the airport. Myers rings him <coughs> It says, get off the bus. And uh, she calls him, he, he gets off the bus. She's like, don't talk to anyone, don't touch anyone. And he's and you see him getting off the bus, but he holds on to those handles to help him get off the bus. And um, he sits in the bus stop and there's like an um, ambulance is pulled up and there's people looking at him and Dr. Erin runs up to him with a mask while um, Dave, who's working with her, he runs up to the paramedics to try and tell him, look, um, Don't go near him because at this point, no one's wearing masks. They're not, it hasn't become, um, what it will be. So people just think he's sick. Um, Mitch Emhoff, he's getting interviewed by Dr. Myers and she's saying, oh, she had a lawyer over in Chicago. Um, what did she do there? Do you know what she did? And he's like, why is someone sick in Chicago? Myers doesn't answer. And he says she had a relationship with a a man named John Neil before we got married. Did we get this from him? Is John Neal sick? And she's like, look, I can't I can't disclose that information. Um, but he knows, he's worked it out. Uh, Dr. Ali um, reports about the virus to Dr. Cheever. They say they've got a model of it, but they can't grow it because it kills every cell that they put it in. Because they have to grow it so that they can make a lot of it to experiment on it, to try and get a virus from it. So it's a novel virus, which means it's brand new. There's no treatment, there's no vaccine. Dr. Shiva decides, look, um it's BSL 4s only at this stage. Now, Ian Sussman works at a BSL 3, which is not government run, it's like privately run. And Ali he tell um Ali, Dr. Ali Hextall, rings and says to Ian, look, we're gonna to have to shut you down, cook all your samples, get rid of them. And Sussman says, You limit this to government BSL 4s, it'll take forever. We're making progress, and she's like, Look, I'm sorry, destroy your samples which they start to do. Um, Dr. Cheever's on TV. We see Alan in a laundromat um, and they're talking about the CDC and the perceived overreaction to H1N1. The World Health Organization sends an epidemiologist to Hong Kong. That's Marion Ketillard as Dr. Leonora Arantes. Um, she goes to Hong Kong, population 7.1 million. She's interviewing people who are sick with the Sung Feng. He's um, a Chinese government official. He's played by Chin Han from the Dark Knight Rises film. Uh, He plays Mr. Lau and he's been in quite a few other films as well. And there's a few people in a mask when she gets to, to Hong Kong, Um, 89,000 cases. They reckon they are not too. The government update, uh, they're giving it on the television. It it kills every cell they put it in. Um, Well, uh, the British, the Chinese, the Japanese, we see different countries on this online conference call. Hong Kong, Uh, Sung Feng tells, there's a new cluster in my village. San Francisco, uh, Ian Sussman sat in a cafe. Uh, He sees someone cough. Um, There's a guy washing a glass. The person coughing touches a glass. A woman gives a kid crisps. And we see him thinking about how, you know, thinking about things. And you can tell he's figuring out, do I do what they say and cook the samples and let this thing take a lot longer? Or do I just get on with it? And Because he's like the... You can see he's one of the real experts, one of the real standouts in the field. And, well, we, we get told that, and you, you, he just has this gravitas, maybe that comes from because it's Elliot Gould, he just has this gravitas about him, you can tell he's, you know, it's like if he does, if he can't figure it out, uh, it'll take other people a lot longer. And uh, the lack of masks in the film, as accurate as the film is, I understand it. it would have cinematically been terrible, to have people in masks in every meeting, every chat, I mean, maybe in a possibility in the film universe is they decided to, um, apart from proper medical ones with filters, they're not much use either way, who knows, but it's plausible they decided that Um, because I've seen people say that that's not, you know, they do social distancing and all that kind of thing. I think they do 10 feet Um, and people said, oh, you don't wear masks. Well, I think it's wrong to consider it an error if they've had everybody in masks, As much as you love science and this film is is held up even by scientists as being you know so surprisingly scientifically in terms of how government runs and that kind of thing um an outstanding film that would have been a mistake sometimes you cinematically you need to see people's faces Uh, anyway we see sussman back in his lab and he says to one of the um lab staff oh i just want to recheck some data and he should be destroying it all at this point he's been told to and then we see Ali talking to Dr. Shiva. She says, Sussman's managed to grow it. He used, a, I don't know, some kind of pig or bat protein or something like that. Um, again, they don't crimp on the science just to make it easy for you. They just say it as they would because they'd understand it. I love how contextual it is in in, in that respect. Um, Shiva's like, oh, he works in the base 3 What the hell's he even doing working with this thing? And she says, oh, Ignoring me, she says it right. What does he want? And Ali says he could have. It, it, Alice, he could have sold it to anyone. He came with was. He wants a box of cigars. That's it's all he wants. And then you see on the news that the CDC announces that Doctor Kevin, uh, Doctor Ian Sussman, has uh, managed to grow the grower, and that's the first step towards a vaccine. We see Crumworthy. He's talking to like a hedge fund guy, and um, people who are trying to figure out what's next um it's a bad day to be a rhesus monkey and this guy says look we need your expertise we don't invent need we just predict it where's the next opportunity because crumway he's got like two million unique visitors to his blog and they say look what does it cost looking at your crystal ball and he says if you heard of facetia it's like a herb um, and he says it's the cure we see mitch and he says if i'm immune he's talking to Myers, and he says if i'm immune then my daughter will be and Myers says, unfortunately, sure you know half of her immune system is from you, but the other half from her mother. Uh, there's, there's no way to know. And as he leaves the hospital, he's out of isolation. The hospital's packed. People are starting to panic. Dave uh, talks to Dr. Myers. Um, he says, my wife makes me take my clothes off in the garage, then leaves out a warm bucket of water and some soap. And then she douses everything in hand sanitizer after I leave. I mean, she's overreacting, right? And Dr. Myers is like, not really. And stop touching your face, Dave they're setting up triage centers and it's like a massive hall, like this old big sports hall. Um, and she says, this is great, Dave. Now find me three more like it. Um, the woman from the meeting uh, like the politician uh, or the governor or whatever she is, um, she comes up and she's like, is this coming out of your budget or ours? And, um, Dr. Chiva rings her up and says, uh, uh, Maya's up and says, how are you doing? Um, and she's like, you ever have to tell a man who lost his wife and stepson? That his wife was cheating on him before she died, and at this point they're still trying to find the origin. Mitch Emhoff's um, Andrew uh, Jari's, well, it's friend, but I think boyfriend. Uh, he won't let him in because he's brought flowers, and he says, he says to his daughter, "Sorry, um, honey, I I just don't want to take any chances." And I love um, the actress who plays the daughter. She she plays it so well. Um, and I like the way that that character's been written. She understands. She's not whining or lashing out. Um, she's not acting like a moody teenager. She's seen the aftermath of her stepbrother and her stepmom having died, and she understands why her dad and she understands why her dad's been like this. That he's not doing it to be to be hurtful or or, or to stop her from having life. He's trying to keep her safe. We see Doctor Leonora um with the Chinese officials. Um, again apologies if you can hear any sirens my uh, my dad is still watching Chicago fire. I must give that a good uh, I must give that a watch um Dr leonora um the uh, she's talking to the Chinese officials and she's looking at CCTV and Beth of Beth uh, in this casino and the Japanese man who died on the bus uh, had the seizure on the bus um she met him while she was gambling and she she blew onto his like casino chips um for good luck so there's transmission. Um, and the Chinese officials are talking to, to Sun Feng and they're saying, look, uh, in Chinese, they're saying to him, look, you, you can't see, they're just trying to blame us. You, you can't see um, viruses on a CCTV camera. They're too small. And at this point, they're still, they're still trying to figure out who the index patient, patient zero is. Day 14, Dr. Myers wakes up in a hotel room coughing. She's like, no, no, no. She takes the temperature. And you see her crying and writing things down. She calls room service and says, I need to know everyone who serves my room 24 hours. Uh, get the staff member, who, uh, get, the, the, get the lad who brought the room service uh, to my room last night. Uh, she rings Dr. Cheever and says, I'm sick. And he's like, don't panic. And she's feeling guilty about infecting other people. She says, I've, she says, I've definitely infected other people. Cheever says, you're going to be okay. And she's just like, you, you have to send somebody else. I'm sorry, I couldn't finish. And he's like, look, I'm going to get you home if I can. And you see his face. He's sat in the cafeteria. Um, He knows what this means, and she does as well. Um, We see Mitch trying to get his... um... Now, if it sounds like this film jumps around a lot, it does, but it does an amazing job of, of making you care about the characters and about you don't feel like... It's not one of those films where you watch it and think, oh, I'd rather have followed those people instead of all... Like It follows these people and i love the style and you care about people it, it's it's a it's a hard line to to walk a tightrope to walk and they've done a brilliant job um so they won't take the bodies of beth and clark in a funeral home uh, because of the rest of the staff and insurance issues and he, he, he mitch can't understand and we see the daughter jari she's messaging andrew her boyfriend well friend um boyfriend to be i'm um, asking how grim uh, everything is um she's using a blackberry Remember those? um mitch explains to beth's mom they won't take the bodies and the mom says you know she made mistakes mitch but i know she loved you very much uh we see uh dr oran is looking to see the cctv of beth she leaves her phone on the bar and the lady who died in the hotel room in london the ukrainian lady hands are ripped back. She rings John Neal, and say, and she leaves a voicemail. And she says, I've got a lay, layover in Chicago. um, it gives me five hours there. If I take an earlier flight, let me know if that's something you know, you'd like to do. Um, The ladder was hit by the truck in Hong Kong, uh, Kowloon. And um, it's a waiter and he picks up a drink. And they figure out Beth M Hofstein, index patient. And son says, they say the Americans and French have a cure. And a manufacturing secret the world health organization know but are embedded the americans and she says where did you hear this he says the internet and she's like you believe the internet and he's like i don't know and it's the first glimpse that we see that he's got this underlying mistrust and she says how's your mother because he said you know she he said earlier she was sick and he says our facility didn't work she wasn't strong enough there's a mass grave in lantau and they, they leave to go to the airport. She's going to fly home back to uh, Geneva, presumably to the WHO headquarters um, in Switzerland. And um, Sung Feng goes on the phone and talks in Chinese because you gather that she can't speak Chinese because earlier on she she, she didn't reply to them and she doesn't seem to understand. Um, and he says, it's Sung Feng. If we're going to do this, we have to do it now. Uh, she's getting driven to the airport. They pull over. And she's abducted and Sun's in on it. Uh, they're blindfolded, they take it to a village. It's all very, as respectful as you can be, like they're not hitting her or anything like that. Um, and Sung Feng says to her, while wow, they cure each other, we're here at the end of the line. And she's like, are these all sick? And he's like, no, this is my village. We want to keep it that way. Um, Dr. Myers, um, she's in one of the her own centres that she's set up. And They're shutting down the state. Uh, the president's moving underground. Congress are working out to get online um Dr uh, Brian Cranston's character uh, Lyle is is reporting to Chiva Achieva says we can't get Myers back and he says what what the hell's going on and Lyle says to him look they're using the plane with like an isolation booth at the CDC to bring a sick congressman congressman home so again the politics versus the scientists and they say we, we can't get Myers back um, and they basically say to him, Look. The quarant, the the shutting down the state, the shutting down O'Hare, air, airport, the shutting down, um, they're shutting it down. So he ring and he says, "Look, we need to make sure everybody know, and nobody knows until everybody knows." Shiva talks to his, his wife, and says, "Drive to Atlanta, do it now. Don't tell anyone. Don't stop. Like get out of the state." But he doesn't explain to her why. And we see her, tell her friend, um, the nurses are on strike. And she said, um, Chiva's wife says to him, Well, how can they do that? And he's like, Well, there's nothing they can do. We're just putting healthy people next to sick people and hoping the sick people don't, uh, hoping the healthy people don't get sick. It's ridiculous. Um, and and so she's having that conversation, and he puts the phone down and he's, he's broken, he, he's he's broken that agreement. He's, you know, um, government. Um, classified uh, classified information he's passed on to her to get her out of the state before it shuts before shuts down and Roger's there at the door like clearing up bins and things like that and he's he say, he says Roger did you hear and he says I have got people too Doctor Cheever we all do we see a chemist and um, and it's there's far available here everyone's in masks in a queue and um, they run out and then there's riots you see Mitch driving around um, and there's some shops are burning uh, things are starting to slowly fall apart, uh, but because what I like about this is it's realistic in that because the virus is killing so many people, and people will be indoors isolating, there's not like mass crowds everywhere, smashing up things. It's not like a zombie film in that, in that respect that there's, you know, there's, you know, there's loads of people that the whole point is people wouldn't want to be near each other. So you see the streets emptier, uh, which is more realistic. We see um, a department. Uh, Mitch goes to a department shop. There's no staff. Um, they try and drive to Wisconsin. Um, Alan is uh, walking in like an inflatable uh, suit. Uh, Lorraine comes and says, I think I had a seizure. And he says, Look, I've got Lorraine. I've got no here. Um, She's like, I'm pregnant. I can give you some money. He's like, Lorraine, you shouldn't be out because presumably sick people have to quarantine. And he says, I'll bring you some when I get it. Dr. Myers is there. She's in bed. She's getting worse. and. There's a guy in the bed next to her who says, I was wondering if you had another blanket. He's like, this one's pretty soaked. He's really ill-shaken. And she tries to give her coat to the guy, but passes out before she can get it to him. And, then, and it cuts to her body wrapped up um, in a mass grave in a park. And Dave puts some flowers uh, down for her. Dr. Cheever's on television. Alan Crumwit, has been interviewed as well. Um, you really see now that the scientists and the experts are, are on a level playing field. Uh, in terms of the scientists who are, who are experts around 11 playoff here with someone who writes blog, uh, and this, this is true this is not this is just how the film portrays it um um and he talks about forsythia and doctor chief like what you spread is sirens again sorry um fear spreads easier um i think what you're spreading's a lot worse and come he's like oh that's funny he's like what's funny he's like you and basically he says there's a communicate on the internet between Dr. Cheever and Dr. Elizabeth Nygaard. That's his, I don't know if it's his wife or his soon to be wife. Cause I do mention <coughs> them getting married, um, because they are married by the end of it. Um, and you can see Alan Crumwick really comes out of it with more, um, more credibility than, than Dr. Cheever, uh, day 21 is mutated. And, uh, Dr, he- Dr. Ali Hextel says the Arnold's not two anymore. We see dead rhesus monkeys being bagged up. They're, they're trying to find an effective vaccine. One in twelve will contract the disease. Mosques are empty. Churches are empty. Offices are empty. Gyms are empty. The airports are empty. Uh, we see. We see. We see all this. Uh, Alan sees a shrine outside lorraine's home. It doesn't really have much of a reaction. Uh, day twenty-six. Mitch is in line waiting for army food handouts. People attack the lorry, and Mitch helps a woman who someone attacks for her packages and he's like, look, there's nothing in there. The things really are like civil, uh, society civil is really starting to fall apart. Uh, the death tolls reach 2.5 million. There's mandatory curfews in place. There's gunshots in the house opposite Mitch's. Um, day 29, Mitch looks through the empty neighbor's house There's no one there. So he, he takes a shotgun. Presumably people are dying as well. So there's, there would be empty properties around Andrew and Mitch, um, Mitch's daughter Jory uh, are doing snow angels, uh, like apart from each other. He goes to kiss her, but um, she goes to take her mask off, and the tick kiss him back. And Mitch grabs all of him with the gun in his hand because he just got back, and he says, "Get up!" And he says to her, "Get up!" And he's angry with her for putting herself at risk. And again, the multi-narrative kind of hyperlink uh, style of cinema that that Soderbergh developed in *Syriana* and *Traffic* it. It works wonderfully. Oh, yeah. Uh, vaccine 57. Dr. Hextel, um sees that it's worked on the one of the monkeys. So she tries it on herself. She visits a sick dad in hospital. And um, this when she injects herself, it was reshot at the insistence of one of the uh, medic- medical advisors as she was originally shown injecting it into her thigh through her clothing, which a doctor would never do. Um, she goes to her dad. Um, she says, Do you remember Dr. Barry Marshall? And he said he cured, him, he, he cured himself and test, she says, I'm testing my vaccine. And the dad's like, Ali, you can't take that chance. I don't want you to get sick because if you get sick, you'll die. Um, and she says, dad, you're here because you stayed in your practice treating sick people long after everybody else went home. You took that risk every day. And he laughs and kisses her. She kisses her dad in the head. And she, he laughs and says Marshall won a Nobel Prize. Then we see on the television, it says the Food and Drug Administration have announced a vaccine um there's been 26 million deaths worldwide at this point although it does stay very um it stays on america which i like uh, i think if this film would have tried to have gone show the countries it would have stretched it far too thin so i love the fact it stays firmly on america well it, i mean in terms of yes it shows other countries and how they're doing but it never tries to like use people from different people who live in other countries as trying to France. So, um, and shows out because if you try to show all the different countries dealing with it, it will be different. Um, day one hundred and thirty one uh, at Chiva's house, people have broke in and his doctor, um, his girlfriend's, uh, well, doctor, fiance, whatever. Um, she's threatened as they trash the house looking for a vaccine. Uh, Chiva gets home to see our, um Aubrey. He says to her, "Did they touch you?" Uh, or is it Audrey? I couldn't figure out. In some scenes it sounded like Aubrey in others it sounded like Audrey anyway so he says did they touch you and she's like no they wore masks and gloves and he's like god we get the vaccine tomorrow we see Crumwitty, he, and he's talking to the hedge fund guy and he says after the 1918 flu people made a fortune i'm not the first to make money out of this the of people lysol go go look it up he says and he's saying um studies show that for doesn't work and he's like what studies on what thing made the like you just will not take anything um a face value and he figures out he's like is that guy with you because there's a guy looking at them and he says you're wearing a wire and he checks the guy and he tries to run and he gets arrested by um by the department of Homeland security guy uh for security fraud conspiracy and most likely manslaughter i couldn't figure out the manslaughter bit um and he says for city you cured me you can't take my buddy to my property day 133 because they're going to take his blood to to figure out if he's had the vaccine and if he's been lying, uh, not the vaccine, to see if he actually had the disease and for see if it did cure him. Because earlier on, you see him pretending, saying, well, not pretending, we don't know, saying, oh, I've got a temperature, blah, blah. He does look ill, and he takes for Scythia and says, if I'm here in the morning, we'll know. Then he's fine. Uh, D133, vaccine lottery begins. MEV1 vaccinations begin. We're talking about staying 10 feet apart. Ali Hextel um, is tracking vaccine batch numbers. And Dr. Teva's like, look, take a bow, Ali. Um, and he's, what about my, my father or you? I'm not taking a bow while you're hauled in front of Congress. Because from what Alan, uh, from what he, um, uncovered earlier, he's in trouble. He's going to go before Congress because he's he's passed out classified information to his fiance to get her out of the state. Um, and he says to Ali, look, tell the, what should I do if anybody asks? And he says to her, tell him I told a loved one who told a loved one, and I'd do it again. Uh, Mitch is watching with Jari. They're um, they're doing lotteries to see when people get the vaccine. It's the first time she gets frustrated. She says, well, we'll spring, summer of the 144 day, days, we we'll never get back. Uh, and he says, look, it'll start getting uh, normal again soon. Andrew messages her again. We see Dr. Leonora in the village learning Chinese uh, from one of the little kids in a kind of makeshift school. Uh, Sun says we have to go. He's just landed. They exchange her for vaccines. She gets to the airport, but they give her a vaccine before she goes. They get to the airport and the government guy says, oh, he, I, I almost forgot. And, he, and she says, what's this? He says, it's a vaccine. Uh, they're not the only people that do this. We gave them placebos. And she runs off. She's going to warn them. And Mitch gets scanned with a barcode around his wrist to show he's immune before he goes in the shop. Um, and then in, in like the shopping mall and again, before he goes in the shop, um, kind of like a, uh, um uh, what do they call it um a rule to entry. They, talk, the Department of Homeland Security guy is talking to Mr. Crumwitty. he says you never had the virus um, and he says for city is a lie and you made 4.5 million dollars you're going to go away uh, you keep telling people not to to get the vaccine. if I could throw you in if I could throw your computer in jail I would and then a guy comes in and says, oh you've made bail because people must have paid his bail money. Achieve and his wife get their vaccine. It's like an intranasal vaccine. Um And he, achiever gives his vaccine to Anthony, Roger's young son. He says, I can't give him the bracelet, but at least you know he'll be safe. He shakes Roger's hand and says, take care, Roger. And there's good details in the film in the background that I've never noticed before. Houses are boarded up, rubbish lies in big piles outside houses. There's really subtle things like that. Um. We see day 135, Alan's back taking photos and pictures of vaccination centres. I noticed that his clothes and camera equipment is much more sophisticated because he's he's got more money. So he looks, his face doesn't, but his clothes and his equipment is a lot more sophisticated um, and expensive than when he first starts. You see him interviewing people in lines waiting for the vaccines. Vaccinations uh, take place in football stadiums. Uh, dr ali puts mev1 in cold storage with other vaccines with sars h1n1 etc and she she smile etc that's what happens when i read my notes um she looks through like the glass in the dawn she smiles that she's beaten it um it's jory it's jory's graduation day and her dad's brought her a dress and a note that says be ready at 8 p.m and mitch finds Beth's camera with photos from her trip it shows a picture of her with a chef and he goes through and looks at some of the other photos and um jory comes downstairs in her dress to the front room which has got lights and prom night which has been made with like cardboard and silver foil again brilliant details because you couldn't exactly go to the shop and buy a prom night or a happy birthday banners could you, you know balloons and things uh, andrew's there in his tuxedo at the door he shows her his bracelet so he's been vaccinated uh, mitch looks at a photo of beth and he cries briefly in the closet um he comes downstairs and takes a photo of jory dancing with andrew and Mitch smiles like it's nice to see some some, some normality, and he walks away and um, to have town zone and to leave them enjoy their a bit you know a bit of normality, um, and we go back to day one, and we see the AIM company um, deforesting an area, um, and one of the vehicles disturbs a bat a family of bats and trees, that eats a banana, it drops the banana from the the roof of a like a big Pig pen holding uh, place. Uh, a man comes and buys the pig from the farmer. Then we see it dead in the restaurant, and the chef's putting garlic or some herb or something in its mouth with his hands without gloves on. He doesn't wash his hands. Someone whispers something to him. I don't know if it's he wants to, somebody wants to congratulate the chef, and it's Beth. And instead of washing his hands, he just wipes his hands in his apron, goes out, shakes hands with Beth. There's your crossover event. Um, And that's where the film ends. The music is like haunting, it really is. The Verdict, it's it's a fantastic film. It's fantastic. I bought the uh, DVD after seeing it in cinemas in 2011. Um, And the the events of the past few years have shown how, how accurate it really was. And it manages to brilliantly tread that line of having multiple characters, but you care about them all um you sometimes worry when you get films like this where a lot of famous actors and actresses go and work in it for very little money because sometimes it can be kind of a gimmick of the film but this film does not um does not do that at all you've got some i mean i would say probably the best person in this film is, is kate winslet i loved her character in this she's so understated and but that's not taken away from, from anybody else. The the whole ensemble cast are fantastic. There's not one single person who drops the ball. You know, you've got you've got a stand-up performance from from the the, the character who plays Jory as well, that actress. The one who plays um a boyfriend or a friend Andrew, he's also he's also good in the limited scenes he has. There's I I can't give it anybody in this film that I that that brings you out of the realism of it. Or who overacts, they're all top of their game, and I would I would highly, highly recommend it. It really is a film that made you think, and it made me think when I first saw it, and it makes me think even more now. So I would definitely, definitely recommend it. So, yeah, once again, thank you for listening to uh, Review It Yourself. You can find us on Good Pods, Podchaser, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, and any other listening platforms you managed to find find us on yeah thank you for listening and i will be back shortly not shortly i'll be back with another collaboration podcast with mark from 100 things we learned from film we're going to review the mummy one of my favorite films i cannot wait so see you then have you been scrolling through many 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 film podcasts thinking there's far too many of these or have you been thinking there's something missing there's something we're not quite getting a waffler from northern england reviewing films for example welcome to ah review it yourself no politics no pandering no point